welcome back to the Highland League podcast. This is season two, episode six. Today I'm speaking to former Fort William player Craig Rennie. Craig started his career at Cali Thistle before playing semi-professional football down south and most recently played in Australia. In this interview, he talks about playing in a Cali Thistle youth team with the likes of Ryan Christie at Thistle, as well as as well as featuring in Fort Williams BBC documentary. He discusses his time in Australia so far and much more. Hope you enjoy this interview. How did you get um spotted by them, the academy? Uh, so I started off playing football when I was in primary school. I didn't really do much in terms of playing for any teams as a, as like a youngster. Yeah. Um, decided to to sort of go into that. Um, I played primary school football and did a few tournaments, and um, I ended up scoring like sat like forty goals in four games for in this tournament. So it was like almost ten goals a game. Yeah. And um, I went. End up going to do this Ross County sort of training school thing, um, and did a trial with Ross County's uh, under 11s, I think, and it didn't quite work out for me. I, I kind of got stage fright and just decided that I uh, it just wasn't for me. Mm. And then about two weeks later, Cali came knocking on the door, um, and my mum told me she's like, oh, "Cali want you to go on trial." So I was like, yeah, cool. And um, so I did about three weeks. The trial was supposed to be six weeks, but um, I did three weeks. And they offered me a contract. So I ended up playing for Cali for about four years. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so how, how chuffed were you playing for the team that you you support and you go to games and stuff? Yeah, it was like I had a season ticket for since I was about six years old, so it was it was a massive like um, achievement for me. Mm. I was really happy, and especially because playing for Cali, being in the academy, in, I don't know if they do it as much nowadays, but, but the academy players are quite involved with match days, like on Saturdays. Yeah. So you get to be around the stadium and, and like in the actual ground before kickoff and and see the players prepare and things things like that, which was um, which was really good to see. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, it was it was a good experience and I met a lot of good good mates and I, I played with a few good players there as well. Um, I played with Ryan Christie; he was mm. in my age group. So it's. it's Weird in contrast. Yeah. To see, see how far different people go, and obviously Callum Ferguson as well. I'm not sure if you know Callum. Um. Yeah. I think. Does he? Who does he play for now? Cause I'm he just signed for a team in New Zealand. I'm mm. pretty sure. Mm. I um, recognise the name. I'm not sure the names. Um. So, so I was I was reading up how um, um your spell at Cali um came to end because of injury how how disappointing was that for you going through that yeah obviously getting injured 
it's difficult it, it's a matter of setback because um obviously I, I snapped my leg so i was out for about 12 months you know it's just one of those things that, that happens you can't you can't really help it and um i just had to sort of try and bounce back from that um but when i come back i didn't i couldn't go back to cali mm. so my, my contract was nearly up anyway and i yeah. broke my leg they were quite accommodating they said they would help me with physio and things like that but um they just couldn't offer me another contract because they couldn't be sure whether i'd be fit enough to play yeah so and whether i'd be as good as i was before um so they didn't want to take the risk so i went back in the after i'd finished being injured i suppose once i recovered um I went and played street league football yeah. for a couple of months, and then I moved to England. So you, um, you played semi-professional, um, d- down there. Um, how how did you find that? Um, getting back into playing competitive football. Well, I started. I played under sixteen. So this is when I first arrived in England because I was still fifteen at the time, um, and that was that was sort of like amateur basically so i was like oh this is is too bad i scored something like uh 23 or 22 goals in 16 games yeah for this under 16 side and i joined i joined their team pretty much halfway through their season Uh, and uh, we were eighth when i joined them and we finished second so i was thinking to myself our life's going to be quite quite easy here Mm. and then Obviously, I went from under 16s. The next step up was under 18s, and that's when it became sort of semi-professional youth football. Mm. Yeah, it was. It was really. It was really tough. I, I was wasn't expecting it. Mm. Like obviously, I'd played against teams like Celtic and, and Rangers yeah. and Hearts and things like that. Mm. But it wasn't as physical. It was more mm. sort of technical based, and and it was really fast flowing, and, and there was a lot of football played, unlike playing youth football in England yeah. and at a lower standard technically mm. you know you're, you're getting shoved about and there's a lot more physicality mm. to it yeah. I'm not I'm not a big bloke mm. so <laughs> getting yeah I'm getting I'm getting tackled a lot and, and you sort of had to just become tough rather yeah. than um, technical but then, yeah. then again if you're smart with the ball and, and you know what you're doing off the ball and yeah things like that it, you can sort of combat that uh, i saw that you you've had trials at um, bradford and um and barnet um how did how did they come along oh it was um yeah bradford uh, and barnet because they were technically in the same sort of well sort of areas around the london area um i did a couple of like showcase trials and um because there was this thing called Soccer Showcase, and that was advertised by Sky Sports and things. Yeah. And I thought, oh, I'll give that a try. And basically what it was is that uh, you, you went to this, like, tryout camp for about four days, and um, there was, like, there was probably, like, three days of, or four days of actual intense training, two training sessions a, a day for four days. Yeah. And um, that was held at QPR's training ground. Mm. And, like, scouts can come and watch the training sessions. Mm. Then you had a match at the end, like, on the final day. So my match 
came up and I, I scored twice and we won 3-2 and afterwards um, they didn't approach me directly straight away mm. it, it was a couple of weeks afterwards and I, I got uh, my dad got a phone call asking if I'd like to go down and and trial the two teams and I did but I just wasn't fit enough mm. I wasn't as, as sort of like because I'd been playing a lower standard yeah my ability sort of suffered after after that it, it was, I was still a good player but I wasn't up to the standard I was when I was playing for Cali mm. uh, and um, I found it a lot more difficult so um, I just missed out on, on that basis basically so I just went back playing uh, semi-professional but it wasn't too bad because when I was playing my first lot of under 18 football I was still 16 yeah. and I was still getting minutes in the reserve uh, reserve team and, and the first team towards the end of my first under 18 season um, so I, I sort of started experience senior football really from a really young age mm. which really helped me yeah so 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 what's the story about um a brief spell in Portugal <laughs> yeah I just I, just, I, I sort of, it was again it was another showcase trial thing um there's a there's a sports company called Future Elite Sports and they're sort of like an agency yeah um and you have to pay for it but it's almost like they're their own agent yeah um and we went to Portugal it was I was probably the only Scottish bloke there <laughs> and the rest of them were all like from like London and um the size difference between me and some of the players there is ridiculous they're just these big blokes that are just mm. quick and physical but we uh, we went out to Portugal and again it was more two training sessions it was a day for like three days and we had two matches I think we're out there for like four days and it was really it was a good experience because they treat you like a proper professional so mm. we'd be getting up um, staying in the complex I think we stayed the complex we stayed in was used for um, I think it was Portugal's training ground for Euro 2004 in mm. Lisbon and uh, so we stayed in this like complex we'd get up we'd have breakfast at like 7 o'clock in the morning go back get to our rooms get changed and then at 8 o'clock in the morning we'd have our first training session and then we'd come back in have lunch come out afterwards about one o'clock have a second training session mm. and then we'd do like ice baths and things like that and just relax in general and it was really good and um near the end of it we didn't we didn't win our games mm. i think we only scored two goals out, out of the two games that we played which isn't good but um i was the one that was scoring scoring both the goals and I got off this contract by like a far, like fourth or third division team yeah. in Portugal and also I was really excited and I was like yeah sure I want to take it but all they were offering me was around 100 euros it was something like 100 euros a week so yeah, it, was, it wasn't enough to live on yeah really. that's not enough at all nah it, it was it was horrible so because um, they they gave you accommodation, but the room was this tiny box room, and there was nothing in it. Um, 
and like the bed just looked like a prison bed really <laughs> it was <laughs> it was horrible oh, I, can imagine. I was like I can't live here I cannot live here <laughs> I was thinking I was like 18 at the time as well so I did want to move out of home into this box room for 400 euros a month yeah it was just and especially that I'd be training pretty much full time as well well that was going to be my main income I thought no mm. So, I just had to end up turning it down. Hmm. So, it wasn't, it was unfortunate because I, I kind of get offered, a, I think technical, it was still, still professional. Yeah. Get offered a professional contract, but I can't take it because it's just not, I can't live off that. Yeah. So, I had to turn it down and come back home. You were playing down in England. Um, so, what sort of standard of football was, was that compared to, you know, higher league, would you say? was is a lot higher of a standard mm. than what I was playing in England, but England was still pretty pretty good. Mm. Um, so it was still part of the um, semi-professional sort of tier in England, um, and it was like just below the Ryman League. Oh yeah. Uh, so like when you see, uh, so do you know? Did you watch the FA Cup yeah, draw recently? They, yeah. were, they were at Ch- Chichester City. Mm, yeah. Right, so they played in... They got promoted from the league below to then go into Ryman or the Eagle Stick or something like that. Yeah. And um, they were in my league, basically, when I was when I was playing in that league. And the standard's still really good. There's a lot of money flowing around that, mm. that standard. There's a lot of good players. Yeah. And... Um, I started off playing for a team called Wick. That's who I play my my youth football at, mm. and um, yeah, that was that was good. I was only playing sort of like Div One, and then I got offered a uh, was I decided to, I think I decided to leave Wick because I was getting bullied and things like that by the older players just for being young and um, not as up to scratch as they as they were really, mm. and. Um, decided to leave the club and I got offered a contract by a team called East Preston who were in the Premier Division and that's where the, that was the division that uh, Chichester were playing in basically and yeah. East Preston had just won that league mm. and they couldn't go up due to ground regulations Yeah. so um, I think all their players left it was a complete rebuild and I'm playing for them but it was, that was a horrible season for me that was another setback because um because they, they kept playing with wing back and obviously as a striker yeah it's so strange going from playing up front to being a wing back I had no sort of defensive mindset I didn't didn't know how to defend yeah and um, at that point I was like look I said to the coach I was like look I can't play wing back I need to be playing in more of an advanced role and he went well that's tough you either play wing back or you don't play mm. um, so I was like Okay, well, I mean, I'll try and play wing back, and then he started slating my performances as a wing back, and I said, "Well, I told you, I'm not, I'm not defending." Mm. And he went, "Right, well, you just won't be playing then." And he did. He dropped me, and mm. I didn't play for about two months. Um, so he put me out on loan to this amateur side, basically that were like four, four or five divisions below, and. I took it because I wanted to play football. I ended up scoring something like 12 goals in the space of five games. Mm. 
and um, I come back and he played me by this point because I'd missed like two months of football and then another month on top of that out on loan. Um, come back and the, the team's relegated. They've been relegated. Um, there were two games left of the season and I ended up coming in and playing the last two games of the season up front and scored. And we won We won both games, but it was still too late. Mm. Um, so it was almost like a big sort of, well, unlucky mate. But then, in the same sense, I was still contracted with this team. Yeah. Um, but I didn't want to stay and play there, so I asked to be released. And I thought to myself, I don't know what to do. I, I don't know whether I'm going to have to go down and play amateur football or, or, or what's going on. Because I had no intention of moving back to Scotland just yet. Because... Yeah. I had a life down there and things, I had a girlfriend and whatnot. And um, I was thinking, oh, I'm sort of screwed here, I don't know what to do. Um, so I just went and played like a charity tournament. And there's a team called Arundel, who I played for for about two two or three years. Yeah. Um, and the head coach of Arundel was playing this charity tournament. And they Arundel played in the Premier Division and they finished around 11th in the Premier Division that season. And he said to me, come to pre-season and, and try out for us. And I was like, yeah, okay. And I went to pre-season. And after like two pre-season training sessions, he's like, yeah, sign for us. So I was like, yeah, great, okay. So I did end up signing for for about two years. Um, had had two, good, two good seasons there, won some silverware. Mm. Um, so life in England was pretty pretty good. Um, I had a few... I'd have fallen out with the first team manager there as well. I'm not a delinquent. But it sounds like I'm having a fallout <laughs> with like all the managers that yeah. I've, I've played under. But now he promised me first team football, and I got that for the first like six or seven weeks, and then he bought a striker in, and ironically it was, and I was dropped. And I was it ironic, yeah, maybe, but it was a striker that I played with. Uh, Wick and he was one of the players that bullied me mm. so I was dropped by a player that used to bully me and the reason that I left Wick was because yeah. of that player mm. um, and a few other players so it was a bit of a kick in the teeth mm. um, but I went to play I went down and played sort of like reserve football for a bit and the reserve team was actually better than our first team so we used to play them in training and there'd be like a full, full proper bounce match and yeah. we we would beat them like 7-1. <laughs> That's worrying so, for them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I was just thinking to myself, well, why would I want to play for the first team if I'm playing for the reserve team? The, the reserve league's a better standard. And I would say it was. Because the reserve league was full of just youngsters that had played at a higher level and sort of been released by their respective clubs and come down and played mm. in that sort of... Uh, lower level sort of semi-pro league they went and played the reserve side of things to gain gain sort of like an inside and a, and a bit more fitness and the league was actually better than the senior league yeah um it was a strange one but then I ended up playing first team for my final season at Arundel anyway yeah so yeah it was that's pretty much my life in England yeah um so you you moved you moved back up north um how did you end up joining um Fort William so I, I had a football CV and I sent that out to a number of clubs in the Highland League that were fairly local to me. Mm. So I sent one out to Nairn County, uh, Clark, 
Fort William, Strathspey, Forest Mechanics. Uh, Forest Mechanics was a bit of a stretch. I knew I wasn't really going to hear back from them. But mm. Fort William and Strathspey got back to me fairly quick, and, and Fort said, uh, yeah, come down and train with us. So the, the first team manager actually picked me up and took me down. It was Chris Anderson at that time. Yeah. And uh, he took me down to, to the training session, and I did one training session. And after the straight away, they were like, we want to sign you, basically. And I was like, okay, that was quick. And I didn't really understand the extent of how much Fort William did lose games. Yeah. At the time, so I didn't know what I was getting myself into too much. Mm. And then Strathbay offered me a training session as as well. But I, I sort of jumped at the first contract offer that I got, and it was Fort William. Yeah. And because um, I just wanted to play Highland League football as soon as possible. Yeah. And so I went for that. And this turns out Strathbay were, were going to want me to play for free for about a year. Oh. So they weren't going to give me anything. Um, and Fort William offered me a wage. So I took that. I got offered something from Nairn County, but I had to play for their under-20s again for a year. And at the time, I was 22. Yeah, so, so you're not wanting to play under-20s. You're wanting to play senior football and get get going again. Mm. Exactly. So I was thinking I'm not going to play under-20s football at 22 years old that's just going to be another setback and uh, um, as much as our straths they were doing well you know I, I wanted a little bit of an extra bit of income which that sounds sounds bad it's just it goes a long way when yeah it does when you're working in uh, full-time as well but the wage in scotland obviously in certain sectors aren't as good mm. and at the time I, I did retail work at the time yeah um, so I was working at junior sports and the wage there was terrible mm. so the extra bit of money that I made affordable actually went a long way um, but I just didn't realise the extent of how stressful it was going to be playing for Fort William yeah. but again I, I loved it I, I would go back and do it all again yeah. met some great players but um you just wouldn't understand. I don't think you'd like be able to understand the amount of stress the players went through. Yeah. What, what week do you th- in, week out. What What do you think um, was missing, or was there not, or was it just every time you lost the game, just losing less, like losing more confidence each game, or what was what was missing? You think? Um, I'm not sure. Mm. I, I, I couldn't put my finger on it We, but it was a strange one because we could go out Like I remember one of my first games was uh, well my first game was a 5-0 loss to Forest Mechanics and I thought to myself Forest Mechanics are like third in the league at this point and I thought this isn't too bad yeah. you know, you know was, it's not going to be a bad season and then I think the next game after that was Fraser Barrow away and we lost 14-0 mm. and I thought to myself, oh my god. And I went into the changing rooms and a few of the boys were just laughing and joking. And I thought, this is completely alien to me. How can you lose 14 nil and just still leave in high spirits? Like, mm. you should be pretty, you should be pretty annoyed and, and yeah. deflated about it. And I was, I was annoyed. I didn't speak to anyone on the bus back for about 
an hour, hour and a half. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't the last like half an hour of the journey that I started speaking to people, but there was a lot. Of, there was a buzz as soon as we got back to training. The week, like after games, it just everything reset itself, and there was just this fresh buzz around saying like thinking, oh well, we lost that game. We can just go go ahead and win this game. Yeah. And we'd lose it, but then we come up against teams like uh, Clack the lower end of the Highland League and mm. thinking we can actually get something from these games Yeah, and I remember one night I think my third game for the club um, and it was my first home game was the 3-3 draw against Clack mm. and um, I think we went 1-0 up via Callum Browett and um that was the scenes because the ultras were going mental and the bang, the drums were getting banged and mm. there's loads of noise and, and songs being sung and then they equalised and then we missed the penalty to go two one up and then Clack went two one up and then it was two all and then three two Clack and like the last minute of the game we equalised and that was the first point mm. in God knows how long yeah. that four million men had had got so. And that gave us a bit of a boost, but there was—I think the squad that I played with was always generally in high spirits, mm. and I think that changed when Chris was sacked and, and Russell took over, and there was just a fresh sort of, you know, new manager, new chance, sort of new opportunities here. We can we can go ahead and try and push on, and the results did generally get better, even though we were winning games yeah the results were getting better so you could tell there was progress there yeah um, i was gonna say um what was it like um looking back at the the bbc documentary and seeing yourself in the in the changing rooms and stuff and being a part of that and having like cameras film and stuff it was good and bad mm. um like it was it was a good experience that you felt like a proper sort of professional um you felt like a professional anyway at the club. Everything yes. that at the club was handled really well. Like for a club that wasn't, you know, making a lot of money and that wasn't sort of winning a lot of games. Yeah. The professionalism around the club and all the people involved with the club are, are great, and they make that sort of that community club as well as the players making the players feel professional. You know, we had our kits ready for us, and and um, they treated us like their professional players yeah. and um, it was good and then having the cameras around that's what it, it sort of it was good to have that experience of you know people wanting to film your yeah. sort of daily life at Fort William yeah. but at the same time it was really stressful because you know we're coming in at half time 5-0 down and the cameras want to film you yeah. and it's the last, the last thing you want is what, a camera in your face when you're 5-0 down. It's just humiliating. Yeah. And, um, but majority of the time, they were at our training sessions rather than our matches. And, you know, they get to see what what the club is like outside of matches and things like that and see how it's run and how good it was. But luckily for me, <laughs> they didn't. They didn't get a lot of my tantrums on, on <laughs> camera. They didn't, they didn't put it in the documentary. Yeah. Well, there's a lot, there's a lot of tantrums. Maybe an outtake. Yeah. If they ever release it. Um, but, yeah, I 
was um, I remember against Lossy Mike, which there was a game that really we should have won. I think we lost like five one or five nil. Yeah. And um, I was playing left wing, and we had a fullback. I'm not gonna, I'm gonna not gonna name him, but he was he was moaning at everyone, and he wasn't concentrating his own, on his own game, and he was getting beaten down down in the left hand side a lot. And I remember getting subbed off instead of getting put left back, which I probably could have played and did a shift for the last 10, 15 minutes. I got subbed off and I didn't take that too well. And I sort of threw my toys out of the pram and the camera was filming me and I took my top off and I threw my shirt at the camera. And I ran over, well not ran over, I walked over to the water bottles and I've kicked the water bottles all over the place. Mm. And... Um, all the whole time cameras filming me and then <laughs> Russell turned around to me and went like you need to calm down and stuff and I was like why are you taking me like why are you taking me off I'm having like despite the, the result I'm having a really good game he's like well it was either put you left back or um take you off and I didn't think you'd want to play left back and I was like okay fine so I walked over I thought I'm not sitting on the bench watching this I sat down on the bench for about five minutes and we conceded again I thought I'm going to the changing rooms and um, I walked past the lossy bench. They said, oh, well played and things like that. And I walked into the changing rooms. I didn't see the camera there. There was a camera in the corner of the room. Yeah. Um, but I was in such a red mist. I didn't see this bloke with a massive camera sat in the corner. And um, Ian McIntyre was already in the changing rooms. And I've walked in and I've booted the water bottles in the changing rooms. And I've just gone mental and went on a rant about how I'm sick of doing this week in, week out, and how mm. no one cares, and there's no players on the like. There were players in the team that had passion, but there were some players in the team that just didn't care, and they mm. just turned up for a game of football. And I just went on this massive tyrant about how I was sick of it. I was like sick of it. And then, um, then after full time, the team came into the changing rooms. So it was a bit quiet, mm. and um, something was mentioned about someone. Well, something was mentioned about players getting moaned at all the time. And um, yeah. this fullback said something to Jordan Morrison, and I lost it. And I told them, I said, um, I can't remember what I said. One, something I, uh, that I said in the changing rooms was on the documentary. Oh, yeah, I saw I that bit. I remember that. that bit. Um, what did I? Can you remember what I said? I don't remember, but I, I, I know exactly what you're meaning. Um, um, I'll need to look back at it later. But, um... Yeah, but I, I, I just had a go in this fullback basically said, you know, Jordan has worked his arse off, basically. Yeah, Jordan, Jordan works so hard and he puts a shift in every week for someone that's only like 17, 18, yeah. basically, and, and all you're doing is moaning him. You've picked on him the whole game, 19 minutes you've picked on him, and, and it's just unfair when actually he's played better than you have. And... Um, you know, he's probably the best player on the park for us today. And um, I just went on this men- like mental sort of rant at him and it just went quiet after that. Mm. And I think he left the club, actually, about two weeks after that. Went back to playing the North Cali League. Mm. Went back to playing for Inverness City. Inverness City? Inverness Athletic, yeah, I think. I think so, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so he left after that, and strangely, the the atmosphere was a lot more positive because he did moan at people a lot, and um, 
made f- people feel really uncomfortable and I just wasn't having it in the end and I'd end up just having to go to him. Yeah. And then he, he left. So, but overall, Fort William, like, with the cameras around and even without the cameras around, there was still that massive load of, like, professionalism. Yeah. The players were looked after, they were cared for. And, um, yeah, that sort of, that side, I'd, I'd be treated better by Fort William than any other club that I played for. Yeah. Obviously, bar Cali. Yeah. And um, it was just great. Yeah, I would go back. If I come back to Scotland at any point, I think the first club I'm going to contact, obviously, is, is Fort William. Yeah. But I want to try and test myself and, and push myself and play. If I play in the Highland League, play for like another another club. Yeah. You know, um, so, and see what I can do. Yeah. So um, how, how did the, the move come around to go to Eagle Hawk out in Australia? Did you know people who played out there or...? Well, Sean Grant played out there for three or four years. Mm. Um, he was captain of Fort William the year that. Well, he was captain a few times of the of Fort William the year I was playing for Fort William, and he kept turning up to training in his this Tatura. The team was called Tatura, and they played in the, the same league as Eaglehawk. He kept turning up to training in that gear, and I was like, "What team's that?" And he said, "I played for them in Australia." And I was like, "Okay, cool." Um, so didn't really ask much and then I decided that um, I wouldn't mind playing in Australia if the opportunity came up and Sean was like well I know a team out there that are actually looking for players Um, I'll contact them so he contacted them and they got back to me and I ended up speaking to one of their strikers Nathan who I'm quite good friends with now obviously after playing with him and I wasn't too sure at first and I thought I've only just moved back to Scotland do I want to go straight out to Australia? But I was sleeping on my mum's sofa, and you know, I, I just it wasn't, and I wasn't making a lot of money from JD Sports, and I thought it's not, I'm, it's not going well here. Um, so it all happened pretty quickly. I think it was after about two months of actually talking, I bought my visa and bought my flights, and I was already ready to go back out, like go out to Australia. Yeah. Um, Admittedly, the the standard was a little, little bit um, over overhyped than what I was expecting. Yeah. Um. So like Sean was saying, like it's really like it was really tough, and and it was basically equivalent to the bottom half of the Highland League. Yeah. And there's a couple of clubs in the top half of the table that could probably play in the bottom half of the Highland League. Yeah, but. It was a massive gulf between bottom and top. So you had first, second, third, fourth. And then after fourth, there was a huge gap between fourth and down to around, I think there was only nine or ten teams in the league yeah. or 11 teams in the league. So all those teams were just massively behind in points. And they were the teams you were smashing every week, like 12 yeah. nothing. And it was just, there were two teams where we beat, I think we beat them 12 nil and 12-1 yeah you know when you're playing in games like that it just gets boring yeah it's not it's not fun yeah um so i came over here they offered me they said they can get me a job and accommodation and things like that and um that didn't happen 
So basically being out here and just doing it all on my own, really. I've done it all by myself. I find myself my accommodation and I find myself a job. Yeah. Uh, so, like, it's a good experience to come out to Australia and play football. Um, don't get me wrong. it's really, It's been really good. Obviously, I've had a really good season and on the back of that, I've been offered trials at yeah. different clubs. But, um, but I think if you were to do it with any other team, you would you would have that good experience. Yeah. Um, other than what I've done, I, but other than obviously playing for Eagle Hawk, I've had to do everything else myself, which wasn't part of the deal, really. And um, that's what's the only frustrating about thing about playing in Australia. Yeah. Um, but then again, sort of expect that from a club on the lower end of lower end of the spectrum like it's basically an amateur league that I'm, I'm, that I'm playing in yeah. and I didn't want to drop down to amateur but I sort of got told that the standard was still going to be as good as what I was pretty much playing anyway yeah. and um, there was no way for me to know that until I tried it out so I came out and tried it out and you know there's a couple of teams we played against where it was difficult and then the rest of the teams we played against it wasn't difficult mm. Um, I mean, I scored some like three hat tricks in my first like five games, yeah. something ridiculous like that. And um, then I had a slight drought in goals, and then I was scoring goals again. And then there was a drought. You know, it was uh, it was just up and down really. But I've been offered trials at like much higher levels um, yeah. than what I've played in Australia to date now. So. You know, there's positives that's come from it. So, in terms of um, you, you, you won the you won a cup with um, Eagle Hawk. And how how important was it um having a familiar face in in Callum from Fort William coming over as well, playing alongside him? Yeah, it was it was such a relief because um you know going over and, and to a different country and playing for a new team you have to make new friends and things like that and I sort of try and fit in really quickly because um, I didn't have pre-season with Eagle Hawk to, to do that yeah. I was just thrown straight into the team basically so it was um, it was a bit nerve-wracking and then when Callum arrived it was a, it was a slight sort of weight off my shoulder because I wasn't the only foreigner basically yeah. <laughs> I wasn't the only uh the only the only immigrant so um yeah it was good when he come over because then i just sort of hung out with him um, at training sessions and things when you had to like double up and whatnot i go with him and i went to games with him training sessions with him and and it was just good to have someone familiar around that i can actually go out and do stuff with as well yeah. and um yeah it was really it was really good and obviously he's a class player like he's, he's a really good player um and unfortunately, he decided after he thought that he wasn't going to play um, or come back and play Highland League football. I think he's going to be playing amateur for Sleet and Strath, mm. which is a shame because he has that ability to play for a good mid-table side in the Highland League. Yeah. And um, that talent's sort of just been locked away now. Mm. And I think that's the experience he had in Australia wasn't positive and mm. I think that's really put him off yeah. but but playing with him was and having him around was really really comforting to be honest because I did feel quite tense and I 
have someone else that I knew and someone else of my sort of like background yeah. sort of made my performances a lot better and he, he could read me on the park as well because mm-hmm. when we played at um, Fort William together he was very good at sort of reading where I was going to be and I played left midfield he played left back at Fort William and so we had that sort of chemistry yeah. and um, he played centre mid basically for Eagle Hawk and he knows he knows how to pick a pass, but he knew where I was going to be, and I knew where he was going to put the ball, which made made us work work a lot better, which got us results as well because that turned into and goals and things like that. So yeah. it really helped. But yeah, one we won silverware. I think we won the grand final, but weirdly, the teams in Bendigo don't care about the grand final as much. They can care about winning the league yeah. more than winning the grand final. And the teams that care about winning the grand final are more the teams from up Shepparton Way, which is about 100 kilometres, around 60 miles north. Yeah. There's about four teams, four teams in Shepparton, and they all care about winning the grand final. They play for the grand final, not for the league. Mm. Um, so they're happy to sit and finish third or fourth in the league as long as they get a chance of winning the grand final. Yeah. Um, but we missed out on the league controversially against our rivals Um, so we final game of the season um, we needed to win against our rivals and then they needed to lose the week afterwards for us to win the league Mm. and we get a penalty in the last five minutes of the game and this is to put us 1-0 up and we score the penalty but the referee decides it needs to be retaken um, because someone stepped in the box which is the right decision Um, but then he decides to reverse that and give a free kick to the other team, which I've never seen happen before. That's bizarre. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So we lost it, and the game was basically put on hold for about 10 minutes whilst we were trying not to just surround the referee and, yeah. and just bully him. But like, <laughs> into like giving the penalty to us, yeah. but he wasn't having it. Uh-huh. And I... The, like the linesman's had to get involved and things like that and I was thinking to myself what's the thought process behind this and apparently he said you know this rule is coming into play in the league next season so if someone steps in the box um, say because it was me who stepped in the box if we win a penalty and I step in the box there's a free kick the other way mm. and um, it's just sort of, it's, weird. it's a weird rule I think this is the only league that's putting this rule into practice I was going to say across the world I can't think of any other no, I just don't think it'll catch on. Honestly, <laughs> it's just terrible. Yeah. And um, yeah, no, we um, they got given a free kick the other way, and we ended up drawing nil nil, which lost us the title because we needed to win. And um, we we lost the title at our rivals' place against our rivals, and it was just a horrible feeling. Mm. And then our coach quit, but like after the game, our our. Um, first team manager decided he wasn't having it anymore and he quit so we're going into finals with no manager mm. so our manager for finals was our centre midfielder Jared <laughs> um, he's had coaching ability before like he's done coaching before but yeah. it was just sort of like right, we're going into grand finals here with with no manager we've got quarter final, semi final and a final play if we get to those stages yeah. and we've got no manager and our manager had scored 16 goals that season from our front. Mm. Um, so he was he, he was going to be a bit of a loss because he was scoring goals. Um, 
actually, we, it turns out we didn't need him. We went into the quarterfinal, we won one five or six one or something like that, yeah. six nil. Um, I, I scored twice in the quarterfinal, and then we went to the uh, semi final against Tatura and won. What did we win? Win two one. Yeah, we won two one or three two. Maybe no three two. So uh, we won three two in the semi final, and then we went to the grand final against our rivals again. So there was a lot of people there to watch that game because yeah. obviously it was going to be quite tense. That you know, controversially, they won the league against us. Yeah. We had a chance to win something back, and we did. And we uh, we almost went Wendell down in the first minute of the game. They did the typical play the ball back from the centre, mm. kick it forwards, just lump it upfield, and hopefully they'll get something from it. And um, the, the player took it round our keeper. And he was about to pull the trigger, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, our centre midfielder has just gone flying into a tackle in the box. And I had my head on my hands. I was like, "Oh no!" I was like crying out loud, "This is going to be a penalty!" And he's won the ball clear as day and just put it out for a corner. And I was like, "Oh my god!" Like my my heart was in my arse. I was like, "Oh my god!" And um, I think about ten minutes later, we went down the other end and, and we scored, and we went one 0 up. Um, end up winning 2-1 in the end um, and it was good because the guy that scored the winner he's played th- uh, three games all season and yeah. all three of them were against our rivals because mm. he's been injured all season basically but he's played through the injury just to play against these locks he hates them <laughs> and then he scores the, the the winner I think he scored a free kick from about 25 yards and yeah. um, bent it straight into the, the top corner we win 2-1 and uh but for for a cup win, it was very, very underwhelming. Yeah, it didn't feel like a cup win. Mm. Um, you know, it was good because we were celebrating and we were drinking a lot and things like that. But usually after there's sort of sort of that atmosphere, you're like jumping around, championies, all that jazz, and there just wasn't much of that. Yeah. There was a little pitch invasion and things by all the people watching us, and they came on. It was good, and the news were there, and they were asking to interview players and things like that. Yeah, but afterwards there was just there wasn't there wasn't really much of a buzz. It was mm. sort of like, well, we won that now. Let's go out for a few drinks. That was all it was. Yeah, and uh, I was thinking, I don't think I could play here next season because it's just not that sort of edge of like professionalism. Yeah, more to speak. And desire uh, to win. You know, you, well, there's a desire to win because they win pretty much every week. But yeah, but. It's more. It's more the fact, like you know, when you like winning a game at semi-professional level is just like, even if you're just winning a league game, there's still that massive buzz after winning a game. Yeah, a league game, you get three points. Everyone's like buzzing. You're like, oh my god, we like won the game, brilliant. Like mm. this is great. And then playing here, it's like, well, we've won the game, but we're used to winning, so it's just nothing really. Yeah. So it, it's that sort of element about it, which I didn't like. Um, but then I've been I've been offered trials next season anyway up in Australian State League, which is uh, sort of semi-professional. It goes um, the semi-professional side of things sort of starts at State Two. Yeah. So you got State Five up to State One, so, and then I, there's State Two, State One, MPL Two, MPL. Yeah. And um, I'm on the. I'm on trial for a team called Knox City. They're State Two, um, 
and I'm on trial with GB Sons, um, and they're in the NPL, which I had my first trial session yesterday, actually, um, which was incredibly tough. Mm. And I've got a trial session. I've, I've got sessions tonight as well. Um, tonight was going to be pretty difficult, I reckon. Yeah. But I want to sort of play at that level, so I'm willing to put in the work. I've got a lot of travelling to do as well, because yeah. they're in they're in Sheffield, so... Yeah. I'm doing around, yeah. I'm starting like 120 kilometers, so around 70 miles mm. um, up there, 70 miles back, so 140 mile round trip, just to just to do a trial, yeah. basically. Um, so, you know, it's all about how much work you're wanting to put in and how much you're willing to put into it to actually be successful yeah. over here. Mm. And that goes the same as playing in Scotland and in England as well. It just goes about how much work you're willing to put into it. So what what's your ambitions? What would you like to to achieve out in Australia? Um, ideally, I want to go play MPL. That's the highest yeah. level of semi professional you can get in Australia. And then sort of just set up camp at a club and and sort of just play that level. If I get good offers of other clubs later on down the line at that same level, then then I'll take it. But so I want to just establish establish myself at that level and, and sort of just enjoy it. Um, there's a lot of money to be made out here as well yeah. at that level. And, um, you know, if I can make quite a bit of money from that as well as just enjoying it, then I couldn't be happier really. Because um, there's a lot of players in the MPL that are getting given professional wages. Yeah. So they're pretty much playing full time. Um I doubt I'll ever do that. If I do, then I'll be happy. But, you know, I'd be quite happy with just playing in this league and just sort of progressing as a player and just enjoying it until I feel like my time's up and I'll either stay in Australia and drop down and play a slightly lower standard or I'll come back to Scotland and see what happens from there. Yeah. But um, Um, at least it it gives you, say you end up at... um the MPL club, um, you get a chance of maybe playing in their equivalent of the, like the FA Cup. So in terms of showcasing your your talents, there's a, a lot of opportunities um, for you to do that. Yeah, so you've got the FFA Cup, which is the Australian version. And um, there was an MPL club that made the semi-final last year. Mm. Um so yeah, there is there is opportunity to to progress in that competition and get seen and play on TV. Because um, Sean Ellis, who plays for Heidelberg, he uh, he was on TV a lot. Like his team were on TV playing yeah. in the FFA Cup, right. you know. And there's that opportunity, and there's a few players that have gone on to play A League football, but the A League football standard apparently is. A, a little bit worse than the MPLs. Mm, that's what a lot of people are saying. Um, when I yeah. spoke to um, Mark Maddo, who was at from Morton and who's at Huntley as well, he's playing yeah. up there. And him and Sean Ellis both said that it's like it, the, the level, there's not much of a jump between A League and MPL. Um, there's a, yeah, there's a few MPL clubs that will actually do a job in the A League and they pro- could probably actually win it. Yeah. Like the the standard is not much different, and um, I think what there's a lot of players that drop from A League down to MPL because the, of the 
the wage cap in the A League. Yeah. You, you can't put too much money in the A League. Um, to put it into perspective, you know, players are only making make the, it's a lot of money, but they're only making like four grand a week. Yeah. You know, compared to players out in Europe who are playing for pretty low level clubs and still making around fifteen grand a week. Mm. You know, and um, over here we have Aussie rules, and Aussie rules players are on about a million or more, like um, a year. So. Aussie rules players get paid more than the actual A League players. Mm. Um, so yeah, a lot of the players decide, no, I'm not playing in the A League. I'm not making enough money. I could get offered more money in the MPL. So then all these players come down, and, and the standards are actually probably better in the MPL than it is in the A League. Yeah. So if you want to be technical, if you're playing in the if you're playing in the MPL, you're technically playing the highest standard of football in Australia. Yeah. And that's that's something to hold on to, really. Yeah. So, um, over over the time you've played, um, so far, um, who's the who do you think's been the best player you've played with? Well, it's, it'd be a tough one, but I would probably say Ryan Christie. Yeah. Just because, of, you know, the hard work he's put into it, and um, he's gone on to be probably Scotland's best young player. Like currently, I think he's the best young player in Scotland, mm. and um, he's just gone on to be really successful, hasn't he? But mm. at, at the time when I played with him, I would not have said he would be starting eleven for Celtic. Yeah. If you said to me that that to me about ten years ago, mm. I would have just been like, nah, no, no chance, mm. not a chance. Because um, playing academy football with him, he wasn't. Um, he wasn't as good as he is now yeah. and he never it never looked like he had that potential to go on and do something like that there was other team players in the team who uh, were probably better than him than him at the time because yeah. um, we had a stri- striker called Kyle White you know he didn't really go on to do much um, and he was scoring like 30 goals a season mm. you know and yeah, I think he either quit or got released and I don't know why because he was like an insane striker um, Liam Polworth yeah. was in our age group. He's doing quite well for himself now. You know, I wouldn't say he's probably. I wouldn't say he's better than Ryan Christie, but mm. he's he's probably up there because yeah. he's 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 doing he's doing really well at Motherwell at the moment. And there's rumours that he's been looked by Portsmouth and and teams like that. Um. So yeah, if you said to me Ryan was going to go on and do that, I would I would have just laughed. But he's actually done really well and. He's probably the best player that I've played with. Second, probably, being Liam Polworth. Thanks for listening to this interview. You can subscribe on iTunes and Podbean. Follow us on Twitter. Like us on Facebook. And follow us on Instagram. Hope you join me next time for another interesting interview. (laughs) 